So today, if you have a Bible with you, you can turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. And uh, we want to take a look at this uh, psalm. You may be familiar with some of its verses. Some of the verses are very famous. Uh, but we want to read the whole psalm and understand what's going on uh, so that we can get the most out of it. Okay? Psalm 139. So it says at the very beginning, it says, for the choir director. Do you know that in, uh, in a Hebrew Bible, that's actually verse 1. Okay? It's not like somebody wrote that extra. Like, like in some Bibles, you might have... Um, at the beginning of a psalm or the beginning of a chapter, you know, the, the uh, editor or the publisher of the Bible, you know, gives you like a little title, you know. But uh, in all the psalms, these uh, superscriptions, as they're called, uh, are actually in the text itself, okay? So when it says for the choir director, that tells us something right off the top, right? If it's for the choir director, that means that this psalm at some point in ancient history was sung by a group of people, okay? Uh, that's why it's for the choir director, all right? And then it says, a psalm of David. Probably David, uh, David, uh, David wrote it, right? And, and he's giving a firsthand uh, uh, account. Uh, it could mean other things. It could mean a psalm for David, could mean that. But probably it's a psalm of David and this is part of the, you know, the heart of David that he uh, is sharing. So I'm going to read the whole psalm before we talk about it, because you need the whole psalm to understand what's going on. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou dost understand my thought from afar. Thou dost scrutinize my path and my lying down and are inti intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, thou dost know it all. Thou hast enclosed me behind and before, and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from thy spirit? Or where can I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. Thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me, and thy right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, Lord, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you, for thou dost form my inward parts. Thou dost weave me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in thy book they were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are thy thoughts, to me, O God, how vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I'm still there. I'm still with you. Oh, that thou would slay the, the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed, for they speak against thee wickedly. 
and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate thee, O O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against me? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. The reason that we want to read the whole psalm is because you actually, I don't know if you noticed, but there seems to be something out of place in this psalm. And that would be verses uh, 19 through 22. You know, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God, you know me. Where can I go from you? Slay the wicked. <laughs> you know, so we might ask, what is that? Uh, what is what's going on in this psalm? Well, I would suggest to us that what this psalm is, is actually David crying out to God because he's been misunderstood, uh, because he's been persecuted, uh, attacked. And oftentimes uh, in David's history, it has to do either, depending on the time of his life, it could be in the early time talking about Saul, you know, Saul chasing him down uh, and making his life miserable. Or it could be later on, which would mean more of uh, uh, battles, battles with the enemy. Or sadly, uh, even with his own sons uh, uh, toward the end of his life, where they tried a coup, you know, to, to overtake the kingdom, which certainly was sinful and not of God. Uh, and so he's crying out to God. He's basically saying to God, God, you know me, vindicate me, Lord. I am totally being misunderstood and slandered and, you know, terrible things are being done and said to me. Uh, but you know me, God, you know my heart. And so what he's really crying out for and praying for is vindication. So this is really a great psalm if we feel like we have been misunderstood. Uh, if we feel that, uh, you know, sort of the world is closing in on me. Maybe I'm kind of depressed. I, you know, I just don't like my life right now. And that does happen at this time of year, you know, and uh, this is a time when if we, if we should feel that way, hopefully we can cry out to people that really understand us, close friends, uh, you know, in, uh, uh, in our congregation. You're not, even if you may be physically isolated, you are not isolated, right? Uh, and I would just encourage us all to be reaching out to each other because, you know, in a way, we become like Yeshua. We become like Yeshua to people. You know, there's uh, popular uh, songs about, uh, you know, being the hands of God and the feet of God and, you know, and the mouthpiece uh, of God offering words of, of encouragement. You know, those great words of encouragement are words of wisdom. We may not think that we share wisdom, but, you know, we do uh, when we can share encouraging words uh, from the word of God. So that's what's happening here. You know, uh, Stacy read Isaiah 53, very timely, uh, very good, because at the beginning of Isaiah 53, we read that Yeshua is misunderstood. You know, I, we thought he was suffering for his own sins, but yet he took our sins upon himself. I, and uh, clearly, I, we, as a Messianic community, might, maybe we could say that, you know, the living embodiment of the Jewish Yeshua, certainly are misunderstood. Sometimes people will ask me, uh, how does the Jewish community relate to Beth Messiah? 
you know, sometimes if I'm speaking somewhere or someone, an inquirer calls on the phone. And my answer usually is something to the effect of, well, we have a big misunderstanding. Uh, you know, we have, this is our family, this is our people, but there is indeed a big misunderstanding uh, about Yeshua, who we are, and so on. And uh, maybe you're feeling that way just about, you know, yourself of uh, difficulty feeling misunderstood or down and alone or alienated. Well, this psalm is for you, okay? Uh, there's a few, by the way, Psalm 42 is, is a real big one on that too. But, but here in Psalm 139, so he begins uh, by saying, Lord, you have searched me and known me. This, uh, these first six verses are really about God knowing, okay? Uh, and it's very interesting because you could turn this whole psalm into a systematic theology class. You know, the omnis of God, the omniscience of God. But what we see here uh, is how our ancient ancestors understood, quote-unquote, theology. That it was not an abstract uh, concept. Uh, and these attributes of God were not something to be... Um, you know, just uh, taught on in an academic setting and domesticated, one might say, you know, and just simply understanding it for knowledge sake itself. No, the way uh, our ancestors and David here understood theology is how it applied to them, how God related to them. It's kind of interesting when you think about it, because in our world, when we, when we learn about how to teach and, you know, how to uh, engage people in the Word of God, Usually what we say are things like, well, the application is like the last thing. You know, that's like the last thing is the application. What's kind of interesting that here the application is part of understanding who God is. They understood who God is by the way that he related to them. Uh, and so here he's talking about the fact that God knows everything, but what he's really focusing on is that God knows him. God knows him. So uh, you read the word know a number of times here, right? Uh, thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up. Meaning it's like, it's, it's called a merism. That means that it's, you know, from the time I rise up to the time I go to bed. It's kind of like when we say the Shema, you, you know, uh, from the time I rise up to the time I go to bed. It means everything during the day. God knows all of it. He understands our thoughts from afar. And you know that word for thought, that is uh, very interesting. You know what it really means? The word means, it's, it's a very, uh, the word is only used a couple of times in, uh, you know, in the Hebrew Bible, that word. And it means my longings, my desires, my purposes, my aims. That's what he knows. He knows the longings of our heart, not just everything I'm thinking. I mean, it's inclusive of everything I'm thinking. Of course, he knows everything I'm thinking. But what he's saying here, I know your, the longings, I know your desires. I, and, uh, uh, and, and so it's very interesting. He says, from afar, even though God is transcendent, he knows us intimately. In fact, what we get out of this is that he knows us better than we know ourselves, even better than we know ourselves. Okay? Thou dost scrutinize my path and my lying down. 
So it's interesting, uh, you know, to scrutinize. It means uh, it has a number of ways that that, that word can be used. It means uh, to sift, to winnow, uh, or to measure something, right? So uh, you can say that intimately he is quite aware of my paths. And that means, my, you might say, my traveling, where I go, not just my paths as in the path or, or um, uh, roadway, you know what I mean? But my travelings, my journeyings, uh, God knows everywhere I go and where I stay and you know, where I spend my time. Thou and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you just know it all. Wow. So you know what that means? That means if you're about to say something and you bite your tongue, God already knows. Too late before God, right? Other people might not hear it, or you might be thinking it and never say it. You might have a smile plastered on your face, but you might be thinking all kinds of things. Oh, God already knows it. God already knows it. Okay. Uh, thou hast enclosed me behind and before. Now, you know, in English, we might uh, say, well, he has my back and he has my front. But actually, in Hebrew, what it, what it really is referring to, what has come before and what's coming. <laughs> okay. Uh, you, you know, uh, thou hast enclosed me, encircles me from, from what I, where I'm coming from and where I'm going. Okay. Uh, and has laid thy hand upon me. All right, now, I don't know about you, but when I read those words, uh, they can be very intimidating, uh, uh, downright scary, right? Oh, wow, how convicting. Now, that is true. But David, who had a heart for God, an imperfect man, we know his sins, it's all laid out for us, right? But a man who had a heart for God, which means that he was devoted to God. He had a heartfelt devotion to God, warts and all. You know, when you confess your sins, it means you're devoted to God. You know, David is the author of Psalm 51 and Psalm 32, right? Uh, and so God knows our heart. And so when David is saying this, he's not saying it because he's afraid of God. He's glorifying God in it. Like, wow, you know every single thing about me. So vindicate me, Lord. I am misunderstood. People are judging me by, by guilt by association or a word that came out. I was thinking out loud and, and I said something I probably shouldn't have said. And, and now, Lord, you know, vindicate me, Lord. Uh, and, and so he's saying, you really know me. He finds God a refuge here, right? So it kind of depends where you are. This could be very scary if you're really alienated from God. You know, if you don't pray, you're not in the Word of God, you're just sort of uh, living uh, very lackadaisically and, you know, doing whatever you want. Well, these words can be very convicting and, you know, and uh, hopefully drive us to repentance. But here in the Psalm, it's like David's place of refuge. That's why he says in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. He doesn't say too horrible for me, right? Too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it, right? In other words, it's a mystery. You know, Abraham and Joshua Heschel, 
talked about, um, you know, uh, a divine amazement, divine amazement. And, uh, and that's kind of what this is, or radical amazement, I should say, radical amazement. And uh, what Heschel meant by radical amazement was the opposite of sort of just taking things for granted, like, um, like a beautiful blue sky, you know? You know, in the wintertime, sometimes it, I know it's cold and everything, but sometimes it's just so crisp out, you know? And the sun can be shining and a beautiful day. And, uh, and, and what Heschel would say is, you know, you need to pause and notice it. You know, and it is, it is the work of God. That's what radical amazement is. And, and so this concept that I am never alone, that God knows everything about me, we need to pause and think, wow, you know, I am totally understood by God. That is radical amazement. Well, he continues here in verse 7. Where can I go from thy spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? No matter where I go, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there up and down. And then east and west, right? If I take the wings of the dawn, and if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me, and thy right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light, and light uh, are alike uh, uh, to, to you. So he, he moves here from the idea that, God, you know me so well. You, you, you're so full of knowledge to you're everywhere. You know, it, they, these go together. Uh, and it's not just simply about you're everywhere, but you're where I am. And there's nowhere that I can go from you. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your uh, uh, presence? Uh, there's nowhere that I can go uh, from you. In a way, what David is saying here, you know, if anybody is going to judge me, let you judge me, Lord. I'd rather be judged by you than by any man, as we read elsewhere, you know, uh, in, in the Bible. That, uh, you know, you know everywhere I've been. This is what he's saying. In the first part, it's, you know everything I'm thinking. You know I, all of my desires, my yearnings. Regardless if I, I mess up sometimes, you understand who I really am. And the truth is, there's nowhere that I can go from you. Again, you know, uh, this could be very scary and very convicting. Think about Jonah, for example, right? Jonah could not run away. Jonah tried to go. You talk about... Uh, the passage where it says uh, here, um, if I take the wings of the dawn and if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, well, that's exactly what Jonah tried to do, right? He took a, he took a boat on the Mediterranean toward the, uh, toward the horizon. <laughs> really, God will never find me there, right? Uh, but we know the story of the big fish. Right? We even, um, uh, Sylvia read that uh, in the uh, New Covenant uh, uh, portion today. Right, there's nowhere you can run, but you cannot hide. But the gist of this is, you are my refuge, God. There's nowhere where you don't know where I am. I, therefore, am never alone. I'm never alone. I am never isolated from you. 
And I will say, we can feel isolated from God, but that's coming from us. That's coming from us. That's coming from sinfulness or unbelief or perhaps a, a, a lack of radical amazement of having sort of just like a lackadaisical approach to life. And, you know, uh, I've been a believer for a number of years. I've been around the block. I know how it works. I don't really experience God anymore. Maybe I did many years ago, but, poof, you know, I don't know. I guess he's there. That comes from taking God for granted and just this, you know, just um, becoming perhaps bored uh, with, our, with our spirituality. But how important it is to stop and to remember that there is nowhere that I can be where God is not. Now, we're, if we're traveling in the night to places where we shouldn't be, maybe uh, uh, physically traveling or online traveling, well, then this should be kind of convicting, right? But if we're walking with the Lord as, as best we can and we sin and we confess our sins, but life is hard for varieties of reasons, I'm down, I, I really just feel I'm all alone, this should encourage us and know that God is right there in the trenches. You know when it's like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning and uh, you're staring at the ceiling uh, and then intermittently staring at your watch and then back to the ceiling, you know, and then maybe uh, something over here or something over here and, you know, and then that's when, that's when you start to think about all of the things, right? All of the things of life that aren't done or I need to do or just difficult thoughts, God is right there in your bedroom. He's right there with you, right? Okay, he knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows your yearnings. He knows the hard things. He knows the things that nobody gets. You know how we might say that, you know, they just don't get me. God gets you. He really does. He really does. And no matter where you may be. And we might say not only where physically, but maybe metaphysically, you know, wherever I am, meaning wherever I'm thinking or whatever state of mind I'm in. And, you know, he has x-ray vision. He's not going to trip over the dog coming in the house in the dark at night, okay? That uh, he sees everything. And that's why it says even the darkness is not dark to God. Okay, all right. Now he's going to move on here in verse 13. Now to the work of God, the, the power of God, you know? And again, these are not academic subjects to be just domesticated so that the goal is I can understand everything about the power of God or everything about the knowledge of God or everything, you know, uh, about the fact that God is everywhere. That, that you know, Theology is for, uh, just like we say all learning is for living, uh, we say that all, uh, also about uh, theology. I don't know a good TH, uh, you know, but so we'll just say full living, <laughs> okay? Uh, theology is for our practical understanding of thriving in the faith, yes, okay? Uh, thriving in the faith. That's what theology is for. It's not about just learning about God. Uh, that is not how our ancestors thought. It was all about, they, they knew about God, about how we related to them. Okay, for you did form my inward parts. You did weave me in my mother's womb. 
I will give thanks to thee, for I am, here it is, fearfully and wonderfully made, right? Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in thy book they were all written. The days that were ordained at when as yet there was not one of them. Well, here, what he's saying, not only do you know me, not only do you know where I am and you're with me all the time, but you, you know this because you actually made me. You made me. And it's very interesting. Of course, we know, I, you know a little bit about biology, about how people get made, right? Uh, and we know that uh, God has given uh, his uh, creation the ability to procreate, right? To sort of partner with God in creation. However, he has ordained all of it. And he is, um, he is by our radical amazement, involved in the process. You know, when it comes to, you know, you know, with the biology, there's a sperm, there's an egg and all that. And they come together and, and, uh, and there's a human being uh, 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 growing immediately in the womb. God is involved with all those chromosomes and he's involved in our personality development. He's involved with 10 fingers and 10 toes. He's involved with our temperament. You know, my daughter uh, had twins uh, uh, a while back, a, a little more than a year, about a year and a half ago. And, and it's amazing. Uh, they're fraternal twins, uh, two sisters, but they're fraternal twins, uh, not identical. But they have very different personalities, you know, and they have an older sister uh, who also has a wonderful personality, three wonderful little girls, three wonderful personalities. And, you know, I have a, another granddaughter who's 16 years old, another wonderful girl with a great personality. You know, and you wonder, where does it come from? Does it come from mom? Does it come from dad? Well, of course, that's all involved in it. But God is in the mix. God is really in the mix. Okay. So he says, you form me from my, you form my inward parts. You know what that word literally is? It means kidneys, right? And, and uh, you know, in the, in the Bible, uh, body parts are used for emotions uh, and senses. In fact, you know the word nefesh, nefesh, soul, we use my inner being. Do you know what that word is and where it is translated a couple of times at least in the Bible? It's the word for throat, the word for throat. Because, you know, in the ancient world, I, if I breathed, it, it's coming out of my throat. My life is like coming out of my throat. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and so here it's, you know, you thou didst form my inward parts. So it uses the word kidneys, but it means my inner person. Just like the word uses heart, you know, uh, to mean something, or the word or mind to mean something, right? Thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. He's making the point that God, you are intimately involved in my very creation, in my very being, in who I am. You, God, are involved in it. 
you're not just responding to the way I am, but you made me the way I am. You know, uh, being a godly person doesn't mean you have to have a certain kind of personality. You know, there are very, uh, there are very uh, mild-mannered people, and there are very gregarious people. That does not define a person's spirituality or godliness. It's personality. And so remember that God made you that way. You are awesome, or shall I say, von awesome. I don't know. But, uh, you know, uh, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully here, if in our culture, in our world, in our English, awesome is really the best word for that. I am awesome in your sight. Unique, not like anybody else, you know, and wonderfully made, fantastically made. Why? Because you made me, God, right? Wonderful are your works. Uh, and then he says, and my nephesh, nephesh, knows it very well, right? You know, in our Tuesday night Chavurah group, we were talking a little bit about this, and one person said, what does it mean? You know, I asked the question, what does it mean he knows it very, my soul knows it well, knows what well? And, uh, you know, who he is. And so one person said, you know, I think what David is saying here is that he was embracing his life. David was embracing his life. Wow, I wrote it down right in my Bible, <laughs> you know? I learn a lot, by the way, in our Chavurah groups. I really do. Uh, embracing his life accepting who he was. This is who I am. I'm not trying to be like somebody else. I don't have to teach like somebody else. I don't have to act like somebody else. I don't have to look like somebody else. They misunderstand me, and so should I just cater to what they want me to be? No, Lord, you made me the way I am. And in this, he glorifies God. And that's why he's saying, Lord, you know me. You know, uh, here in the United States, if you come from the South, you're going to be very different maybe in the way you approach things if you're, than if you're from New York City or you're from California uh, or you're, uh, you know, from uh, uh, Columbus, Ohio. In fact, you know, what's kind of funny is I'm looking, I'm looking out over everybody and I see, oh, there's somebody from New York. There's somebody from Florida. Uh, there's somebody from Texas. There's somebody, from, you know, all different parts of the country. And so you, you, know, you develop different traits and ideas and personalities, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But remember that God is in it all and he made you the way you are, right? Then he says, my frame was not hidden from you. You know, you could translate that skeleton. <laughs> you know that? My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. You know, it says in the Brit Hadashah that we're God's workmanship, right? We're God's workmanship. And you know, if you've looked that word up, it has to do with like an artistic, an art piece, you know, an art piece. Like you like worked really hard and with all, in, with all the intricacies of it. And that is an amazing, you know, if you go to an art gallery, amazing pieces of art, that is how the scriptures talk about humanity. This is what David uh, is saying. Okay, then he says, Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in thy book they were all written. Right? The days were ordained when as yet there was not one of them. And so, God, I am, you made me my life, God. You, you know, you know all about my life, my past, as well as my, uh, my future, right? Uh, and so this is a great comfort 
to him. All of this is a great comfort to him. He's not saying things in this past, in this, like saying, well, Lord, if you know everything, why did that happen? Or, you know, why did I go to that place if you know everywhere, you know, I'm going to go? That's not how they understood theology. It was, it was how God interacted with them, okay? Uh, and so when we read here, uh, the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them, you don't come to that text and ask the question. The wrong question is, okay, does that mean that uh, my whole life is mapped out? That's not, that's not what he's talking about here. He's saying that no matter where I go, you're going to be with me forever. Okay? How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. It's an amazing thing. And you know, and even in Hebrew prayer, in the Siddur, when you wake up in the morning, you say these particular prayers of thanks. The idea is as if I, if, when I go to sleep, it's like I die, and in the morning, I'm like resurrected from the dead. I wake up in the morning, right? And how glorious it is that I woke up this morning. How, my bodily functions all work, you know? There's a prayer for that. And, and uh, I, I thank you, Lord, uh, you know, to give thanks upon awakening. Uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the prayer upon waking up uh, in, the, in the morning. Uh, and uh, he can't get over it, right? But then he says very quickly here in verses 19 to 22, slay the wicked, <laughs> you know? Because what he's saying is, God, people are coming against me like the darkness is coming against the light, God. And I, I, because of all of this, you know my heart. You're with me everywhere I go. I am amazingly made in your image and in your likeness, God. I was carefully put together. God, there's nowhere for me to go. You know, it's like Peter said, when, when Yeshua said to Peter in John 21, you know, do you love me, Peter? What did Peter say? You know that I do. <laughs> you know that I do. You know that I love you, right? And so God knows our heart. And so what David is saying, God Please judge the wicked. Judge wickedness. I'm with you, uh, 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 God. Uh, someone asked the question, well, what about loving your name? Uh, what about uh, loving, your, uh, uh, loving those who hate you? You know, is there something wrong? Maybe David was uh, sinning here or something. No, David is crying out because he hates sin and he wants the sin to stop. Lord, stop the sin. Whatever it takes, stop the sin. Uh, he's not talking about uh, like uh, just somebody offended me, you know, that kind of thing here. Here he's talking about God, uh, have victory over the enemy. Have victory over the, uh, the enemy. I'm with you. That's kind of what he's saying. And so the whole thing is about, Lord, vindicate me, Lord. Vindicate me, uh, God. I, I, and, and, and that's, you know, what he's, uh, what he's uh, saying here. And then he ends the psalm. He, in other words, I guess I'll say he's identifying with the heart of God, right? There are, there, there's a number of things that the Bible says God hates, okay? So we can hate them too, right? And, uh, and it's important that we pray against sinfulness in the world and that it would stop, or sinfulness against myself, that it would stop, right? Needless to say, 
there's always a desire for repentance. There's always a desire that people would repent and, and turn to God, no doubt. All right. But then at the end, isn't it interesting, the last two verses, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. The beginning of the psalm says, you have searched me and known me. The end, though, is a cry to God, search me and know me. Isn't that interesting? And so you see this surrender by David at the end. That's usually the term we use. This acquiescing to the, to the heart of God. God, I know that you search me and know me, but God, search me, know me. If there's any way in me that is not right, Lord, reveal it to me. In no sense here, you know, David is a king. In no sense here is, you know, he uh, acting in any kind of proud way, uh, especially, you know, against the wicked. Notice what he says, try me, know my anxious thoughts. You know, perhaps we have anxious thoughts. Perhaps there is something today that's really bothering us or upsetting us. Lord, search me and know me. Lord, try me and know my anxious thoughts. And if there's any, any hurtful way in me, Lord, reveal it to me so I can confess it, which is lead me in the everlasting way. I want to be right, God. And no matter what it is. And you know, it's a, great, it's a great word of humility. It's a great word of encouragement. It's a great word of comfort for us. And I hope that we can make this psalm, you know, our own, especially, you know, if we're having a difficult time. And no, you know, Yeshua said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My load is light. He can give us rest for our souls because he knows us. There's nowhere we can escape from him. And he made us the way we are. And so may we really recognize the reality of God and run to him. And just finally, as it says in the first verse of Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water brooks, oh, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before you? Lord, I need more of you. So perhaps, you know, today is a day when you're kind of feeling far away from God, alienated from God. Well, uh, may God cultivate within us all uh, radical amazement and recognize the wonders of God's creation and most uh, uh, narrowing it down to the wonders of God's creation of yourself, you know, and know that God is indeed with you. And, uh, you know, as it says uh, in the book of Hebrews, in the fourth chapter, there's a, a oh, oh, I got to go back one more. In verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, God's rest, lest anyone fall through of uh, following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Since then, we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Yeshua, the Son of God, 
let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and, and may find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for that great word. Lord, I pray for us today, if we're feeling lonely or down uh, in any way, may we remember, God, that you really, you understand us. You understand why we act the way we do or why I said something or you understand my motives. You understand my longings, my desires. My, you know the journey of my life, my travelings ever since I was born, Lord. And so you know, you know what happened. You know what it's like, uh, Lord uh, God. Thank you that you understand all of that. And you continue to understand all of that because there's no place that we can go from you. Lord, thank you, God that when we understand that, we understand, God, that you, you not only know everything about us, you not only travel the road with us, but you made us. And thank you, God. No matter what they say, I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Lord, may we focus on you. May we realize that we, uh, we, you're the one with whom we have to do, Lord. And so, God, I pray, uh, Lord, I, that uh, we would not uh, uh, sink in the quicksand because of uh, misunderstanding or enemies, whether the enemy is uh, Hasatan, uh, the world we live in, uh, conventional wisdom about Messiah followers, what the Jewish community thinks of us, uh, or difficulties that we have in life in general. Lord, may we rise. May we stay above the fray, always having our eyes fixed on you, the author and finisher of our faith, Lord. And uh, God, so we thank you, God, for this great word. We thank you that you sympathize with us, uh, that you understand us, and you're always ready to give us mercy, to give us favor and undeserving grace, Lord. We thank you, and we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.